They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside, and Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. Hello there, you are listening to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. This is the Somerset CCC podcast. My name's Ian Shepherd, and joining me this evening for our season preview as the county championship starts in but a few days' time, I've got Steve Tancock, Dan Kingdom, and the voice of cricket on BBC Radio Somerset, Anthony Gibson. And Anthony, I understand you are fresh back at Langport from the uh, Somerset CCC Media Day today. Yeah. Yeah, we had a we had a press conference. I was the only one who asked asked any questions, <laughs> but I did manage to establish that uh, Craig Overton and Jack Leach aren't allowed by the ECB to play against Hampshire, oh. but they will be back. They will be back for the Essex game, according to Jason Kerr. Uh, Jason Kerr has signed a two year extension to his contract, which I think is a is a pretty good thing. Um, and apart from that, there was a lot of sort of management speak from um, Andy Hurry, including the uh, the memorable a lot of learnings. It, no, well, I, I like this. We're one big, one big family going on this journey together. Taking that sounds like the plot uh, of National Lampoon's Vacation. <laughs> taking our learnings with us. Oh, no, he didn't have to say that last <laughs> bit. <laughs> but the one, the one big happy family going on this journey together was authentic yeah. Andy Hurry. <laughs> oh, so that's fair enough. And so Craig and Jack not available for Hampshire. I think probably understand Jack. He's been on, he's bowled a hell of a lot of overs, particularly in the last few weeks in the West Indies. But Craig, he's played two games in the winter. They, what, How long have they been back for now? What, at least two weeks, isn't it? Ten days, probably. Yeah, it's... Well, that's the ECB for you. Yeah. Um, the, the only um, the only player who played in the third Test match against the West Indies who's going to feature uh, in the first round of County Championship matches is Zach Crawley. Uh, all the others are either not in the first round of County Championship matches or have been told they've got to wake, uh, wait. And none of, none of the bowlers will be appearing in the first round. Well, that's good news for whoever Kent are playing then, because I wouldn't. I'd fancy bowling at Zach Crawley at the moment. Uh, <laughs> Yes, I mean, I'm going to chalk this up to another ECB conspiracy against Somerset, but uh, <laughs> that, one, that may be stretching it slightly a bit. But uh, okay, so obviously Craig and Jack not featuring in the three pre-season games that we've had against uh, Glamorgan, Gloucestershire, and Warwickshire, which only finished uh, yesterday. Dan, I know you went to a few, but Steve, how? How, did, how much of that were you able to keep keep tabs on, and what did you think uh, of our preseason? Kept tabs, prep? but didn't watch very much, to be honest. Uh, preseason cricket games are difficult, aren't they? Because they are just effectively middle practice, and you know it, it achieve all the objectives. Did we learn anything? Maybe Tom Banton batting at four was quite interesting. Yep. Uh, Lewis Goldsworthy seems to be where I want him to be in the middle order. But other than that, I don't think I took a lot away from it. I think I took more away from seeing Peter Siddle arrive and thinking how much we're going to save him fuel on the floodlights this year because <laughs> that blonde hair is going to light up the county ground all on its own, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, yeah, a couple of things I, I took away from it is 
Davy and Gregory don't look a hundred percent fit. Probably Davy especially. Um, I was quite surprised I thought, to see I that. Thought Greg, I thought Gregory looked, you know, sort of eighty-five percent fit, which mm. I, I was quite encouraged by seeing him bowl mm. on when it was freezing cold on mm. Friday. He was, you know, he was bending his back. He was bowling at a good pace on a very mm. flat, tired pitch. But um, that, that I was, I was encouraged by that. Yeah, but uh, I agree, he would have Josh been did. taking it carefully, wouldn't he? He's bound mm. to have, you know, yeah. building up. So. Yeah, you'd expect him to have 10 to 15 percent in reserve, and Josh Davey would just be managing his way back as well. So, I don't think Josh would play, play against Hampshire. I, uh, you know, he's, he's maybe a couple of games away from um, getting back into sight. Difficult to read in the amount of into sort of the amount of overs that the various bowlers bowled into whether they're bowling that much because they expect them to play against Hampshire or they're not bowling because they're not fit and don't expect them to feature against Hampshire. I mean, what what surprised me, out of all the bowlers, uh, Tom Abel bowled the second most amount of overs, hmm. which I know they were... Which, for a guy who's just coming off a, a dodgy knee op uh, operation to fix a dodgy knee, is uh, is a little bit surprising. But I, I said this to you, Dan, when we were watching, was it uh, the Saturday of the Gloucester game, that... I think he's put on a yard of pace or two. Yeah, potentially. I mean, I didn't really notice myself, but, you know, he loves his bowling, doesn't he? And obviously, he's improved quite a lot in the last few years. The question is whether he's going to continue his role that he did last year of the fourth seamer, or, or is he going to sort of go back to being the fifth seamer as he as he used to be? So it'll be interesting to see how that how that goes. I mean, in game one, I think we'll probably play Roloff plus four seamers with Abel as the fifth seamer. But it's just going forward when we've got Jack available, whether... Uh, whether, whether Abel does sort of shoulder the burden a bit more. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. He was still bowling the occasional half volley and at long hop when I saw him. <laughs> it's one bad, one four ball and over, which, you you know, you can't really afford to do in um, in county championship cricket. No, definitely. Ben Green also bowled a few overs. He bowled 23 overs. Marchant bowled the most. He bowled 50. I've done a, I've done a spreadsheet, down all the pre-season averages. This isn't including the uh, the, tri the trip to the Emirates. Uh, yeah, Gregory bowled 35 overs, and he looked to be sort of increasing his workload um, as the, the two games went on. He didn't play against Glamorgan, and then against uh, Gloucester and Warwickshire seemed to be building that up. So I'd expect him to play against Hampshire on... Thursday, Jack Brooks as well looks like a, a new man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's yeah. a bit. He's a bit Steve Austin, six million dollar man. We will rebuild you. Mm. I remember somebody said that he had only one working limb towards the end of last <laughs> season. So um, yeah, it looks good. I mean, I think Jack will play on on Thursday. But shall we uh, dispense with the speculation and go with our teams for Saturday? Of uh, Saturday, Friday, Thursday, Thursday, Thursday at the GS Bowl. Right. Who wants to start then? I'm I still writing mine. All oh, right, okay. Um, Lamanby and Green to open. Yeah. Abel at three. Mm -hmm. Hildreth, I think, will cling on at four. Banton at five. Uh, it was quite a strong hint today. Jason Kerr uh, singled out Banton for praise for the work he's done, mm -hmm. particularly on his defensive technique during the winter, and I think that showed. Uh, in the uh, pre-season games, um, he, he he got himself out a, a couple of times, but he wasn't he, you know, he wasn't being got out 
by the by the bowlers. His defence. He's really worked hard. I think so. I think he'll go in at number five. Davis at six. Gregory seven. Um, and then I've got Van der Merve at eight. But it's possible they'll play Goldsworthy rather than Van der Merve. But um, because I'm not sure that the GS bowl offers the spin bowl or anything very much, and there won't be much to choose. I mean. <clears throat> if there was anything in the pitch for spinners, then you'd pick Van der Merve rather than uh, Goldsworthy as your spinner. But it may be Goldsworthy will get uh, get the call, and that would move Davies and Gregory down a place. And then the the three seamers: Brooks, Delanger, and Siddle. And it's, mm. I don't think that's a bad side. Pretty good. Steve, Dan, have you finished yours yet, or do you want a couple more minutes? I. I... I started off the same as Anthony, but then I had Goldsworthy five, Davis six, because I had a sneaking feeling that this might not be Hildreth's game. I hope I'm wrong. So I went Goldsworthy five, Davis six, Gregory van der Merth, Siddle, Brooks de Langer. So and you I, have Banton at four? Banton at four? Yeah, Banton. I had the same top four as you, Gibbo. I was impressed what I did see <laughs> and what I read about Ben Green. He looks, you know, he, he probably is going to be first-choice reserve opener, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. once Renshaw comes back. Um, so, But he, he seemed quite organised and he got, you know, we all know he's a really good, solid cricketer. We want him to make the step up to be a better than solid county cricketer and I, I thought he applied himself well we got what we get from Lamanby which is brilliant and then flashes of frustration so you know that's definitely going to be the opening pair on Thursday I would think and I think we're sorry Anthony but I think you're set with having the skipper coming in at three for the season again <laughs> let's hope he's not coming in <laughs> quite so early this season as he was last let's mm. hope not right I've gone for Lamaby Green Abel, uh, as everybody else has. Then I've gone Bartlett four, Goldsworthy five, Banton six, Davis seven, Gregory eight, and then my bowlers are Brooks, Davia fit, which doesn't look like he's going to be. So I'm going Old Ned Leonard, Peter Siddle, and Roloff Vandermover in my twelve, with the uh, proviso that will if if it does look like the pitch is going to take some spin on Thursday which I very much doubt it will he would come in for um, Ned Leonard so I'm playing so no, the, I'm no. playing the extra batsman no Hildreth no Hildreth for me it, it was a strange one with, with Hildy's um, sort of pre-season because he only he only batted once in each of the games um, which would suggest to me that he's either definitely going to play or he's definitely not going to play Mm, I it, thought it, that. It, well, it, 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 if there's any sort of, if they were thinking about, it, they'd have probably played four or five knocks to really get himself in into some nick. Um, I mean, Lewis Goldsworthy and George Bartlett batted the most. They batted five times each, and I think yeah, Lewis uh, Goldsworthy was he scored 130 runs and he was only out once, so averaging 130 pre-season, which is pretty good. So you've, you've got to get him in. Bartlett averaged thirty, had a you know a couple of nice forties and a couple of Bartlett-esque dismissals. Um, so yeah, it seems to me that they're looking for those two. Plus Banton getting a hundred, you can't really leave him out. So yeah, so kind of back to my original point: either Hildreth's definitely going to play, or he's definitely not going to play. Um, there was kind of no sort of in between in on 
on that decision. They, it seemed almost like their mind was made up on Hildy beforehand. I don't know if well, that's well, your, yeah. I don't know if that's your interpretation or, or not. But yeah, I, I think you're probably me. right about that. I think that you know they've either decided they're going to play him or not. But I hope they do. He deserves this chance. He's earned it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I wouldn't have any issues if he if he was if he was playing on on Thursday. But that's just kind of how it's how it sort of seemed to me. Um, Dan, who are you going for? Yeah, so Green Lamb and be able. Um, and then I've gone Banton at four. I was really impressed with his century against Glamorgan. I, I was there for that. I was uh, that was a good day to start pre-season. Um, and I was, it was interesting that that he batted at four ahead of Hildreth, and he did that a couple of times, which definitely implies that you know that's sort of the plan this season. And it is where he scored his runs in 2019 when he had quite a good season. Um, Goldsworthy at five. I thought he had uh, a good pre-season. Only dismissed once in the UK in the UK leg of the pre-season. Only once in five innings. Um, Davis at six, and then I've gone Gregory at seven, Vandermeer at eight. I think we will need a spinner. I had a little look at uh, games at the Rose Bowl in April in the last few years, and there has been a lot of spin that's been bowled. I think there was a game, uh, it may have been last year, maybe in 2019, where Liam Dawson bowled 60 overs in an innings, and that was in April at the Rose Bowl. So I think we are going to need a spinner. It's, it can be quite high scoring as well, even that early in the season. So. Um, yeah, definitely going to need Roloff, I think. And I think I, I wouldn't be relying on Goldsworthy to bowl too many overs. You know, he's a solid option, but, um, you know, he's he's you know not quite there yet in terms of his first-class bowling. You know, not really a wicket-taking option, is he, uh, compared to Van der Merve. Um, so, yeah, Gregory 7, Van der Merve 8. And then uh, Davey, if fit, if not, probably Delanger, um, who sort of would give us a bit something a bit different in the bowling attack. Because the other option is Leonard, who... Um, who has a, a pretty good preseason? I thought very impressive. Um, but yeah, I think with, if it was if it was Leonard, this hack would maybe be a bit samey. So yeah, Delanger for me at nine, and then Siddle ten, Brooks eleven. Fair dues. I did ask a quick Twitter poll about uh, whether our listeners thought that Tom Abel had got a bit quicker, and seventy eight percent think that he has. So mm. there we are. So maybe his new knees are doing the business. Uh, what else do we need to talk about? So, do we think when we go down to the uh, Aegeus Bowl on Thursday, we're going to have a 2019 performance or a 2021 performance? Well, it's interesting. I, I was thinking about the two, 2021 game. If if we'd lost the toss, we would have been bowled out for 79. That's true. <laughs> on that pitch on, the, on that morning. I mean, it was a game that was decided by the toss. And I think an awful lot will depend on the toss on um, on Thursday. But the weather forecast isn't great. Um, no. And uh, it wouldn't break my heart if we came away from the Aegeus Bowl with an honourable draw, maybe with a few bonus points, because Hampshire are a tough side with, um, with their opening attack. You know, they're, they're, they're good bowlers. And um, we're going to have to... It's, it's a very, very tough start for... Someone said, I asked Andy Harry about this this morning and he, he waffled away and didn't answer the question. But <laughs> what I said was, uh, we've, you know, we've got Hampshire away, Essex at home, Surrey away, and then Warwickshire at home as our first four games. And, you know, our chances in, in the championship could be made or broken in the month of April. Um, you know, it's, it's that's a very tough start. We're going to need to 
in another management speak cliche, hit the ground running at uh, at the GS uh, uh, Bowl. But um, you know, it'll be it's going to be interesting. But it's a tough tough game down at down at, uh, at the GS Bowl against Hampshire. Yeah, I was just uh, sorry. What I was doing is trying just trying to. I was finding last season's. Um, Fix the list and just trying to see where the uh, the Hampshire Somerset game was last year. So that one started on the sixth of May, so mm. not quite April, but still a still a pretty juicy uh, a juicy pitch on that first morning. And uh, yeah, and let's let's hope it's not decided by the toss. Let's hope it's a nice sporting pitch, which is uh, is fair enough for both sides. Um, yeah, Steve, Dan, how do you see it going? Start with Steve. What do you think? I think. <laughs> I'm sort of going to answer it with answering a different question. And I think the first four games of the season are going to very much depend on how this, let's say this new batting order, but the the players that we're talking about is likely to start who haven't been regulars, Mm -hmm. i.e. Banton, Green, Goldsworthy. I know he's been a regular, but now we need to see him make some significant contributions. To To me, I think... You know, I'm really excited about Peter Siddle. I think he's going to give us an awful lot on the field as a bowler and otherwise. So, to me, I think the Rose Bowl outcome is going to depend on the weather, sadly, but it is early April. But I think it's going to depend on whether one of the top five, six can make two significant contributions. You know, and Anthony says on comms all the time, partnerships we need to have somebody other than Tom Abel who we're going to build an innings around. Um, and if we can do that, I think any bowling attack this early in the season is going to struggle in their second and third spells. Mm-hmm. To me, that's that's the key. But, you know, the thought, the thought of us having, if we bat first and can get a decent score on the board and then letting Siddle Gregory in this... Six million dollar Brooks loose on them is quite an appetizing one, and it really and it's like all through the winter I've been going from deeply depressed because of how September was last year to full of optimism, and I think the optimism's gone up with Siddle's arrival, Renshaw's imminent arrival, and the new batting coach. Because not just have we got a batting coach, but that guy's got a CV, and I'm seeing some people on social media saying, "Yeah, he's a white ball coach." Uh, yeah, but he's coached in the Sheffield Shield at the highest level and had great success. Mm. Um, now, whether he's coming to us as a stepping stone, as a coaching job, fully fledged in England next summer or the summer after, I don't care really because we'll get the best out of him. It can only benefit us. So at the moment, the cup is more than half full. And to be honest, even if we don't get a great result at the Rose Bowl, it's going to stay half full for a couple of weeks. I think this is going to be a very tight division this year. Because I think apart from one team who've given their wicketkeeper away to Essex today, I think we could probably say the rest are much of a muchness. You wouldn't be surprised if Warwickshire struggled this year or Lancashire didn't have a great season. And you wouldn't be surprised if Kent or Gloucestershire was stellar this season. So... Uh, you know, it's the first couple of weeks, and then we can have more of a structured conversation. But it is a lottery early in the season. It's always a lottery at the Rose Bowl, so let's just keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, I totally agree with your point that you know you wouldn't be surprised if anybody bar Northants won it. It's it is just yeah a fantastically open division, and um, mm. yeah, Dan, what do you think? Um, 
What's your miss? What's Mystic Dan's prediction for the Rose Bowl on on Thursday morning? Um, on paper, Hampshire are favourites for sure. I mean, if you look at their their bowling attack, Abbas, Abbott, and Barker, you know, three of the best in the country. Um, you know, and our, it's going to be a real test for our batting lineup, particularly if you know we're put in. You know, it might be like last year if it's one of those games where the toss is significant. Significant, sorry, it's going to be um, you know tough for our batting lineup, and I think you know it might be tough for our bowlers too. Um, you know, their their attack is probably better than ours simply because we're, we're missing you know two or three bowlers. We're missing a fit Josh Davy, um, and ha- they do have a good batting lineup. Um, you know, Weatherly and Holland is a pretty good opening pair, I think. And then you know, with Vince and Dawson lower down, they've got Nick Gubbins now as well. So yeah, it's going to be really tough, I think. Um, as Anthony said uh, just now, I'd be pretty happy with a draw, I think. Looking at the forecast, Friday looks like the worst day at the moment. The other days, the th- Thursday's improved. Um, it was it was uh, quite rainy, but now it's sort of just showing cloud. Um, fr- yeah, Friday's the rainiest day. So if it's a three-day game, then uh, you know, obviously that changes things and maybe uh, increases our chance for a draw. But, you know, this is, this is Somerset and, you know, it's... At the start of a new season, you never know what's going to happen to you. So I'm not ruling out a win for us at all. An innings, an innings win inside two days. Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, that would be lovely. I admire your optimism, Steve. It's so fu- yeah, so funny early season, isn't it? You could like so you don't want these games to be decided by the lottery or the toss. But you know, as Anthony said, the last game we played at the Rose Bowl, it, it pretty much was good toss to win and then let Overton and Davy loose on them and knock them over 79 before lunch. It'd be great if that could happen again. Probably won't happen again because Overton and Davy are not likely to be playing. But, yeah, I think at the end of April we we need to be there or thereabouts, I think. Because, as you say, it's a, it's a really strong division and it's going to be difficult to play catch-up. Looking mm. at that division, there's no one you can think, well, we, we play them, we play, you know this week's side followed by another week's side followed by another week's side three weeks in a row so we could pick up some points there it's literally got to be hit the ground running and try and stay on top as as best we can because we know that we're not going to have Renshaw and Siddle in September as things stand so we need to have be there or thereabouts or have a have a healthy lead in Division 1 I think if we're going to have any chance of securing the championship this is where we're 45 points beyond the leaders and have a storm in September and, and romp to the title. Um, OK, just going to go off matters um, on the pitch for the moment because uh, the Somerset Museum has a, had a website revamp and has its, uh, its band of volunteers working, uh, uh, working uh, very hard over the winter to get the, uh, the museum ready for the start of the season. And waiting in the lobby is one of those... Uh, those volunteers. It's Mike Unwin, so I'm just going to admit him now. I'm going to try and get away with not having to do any editing, so I'm going to try and make this as professional as possible. But uh, Mike's joining us now. Mike, how are you doing? Fine, thank you. Good, good. So um, a lot of hard work been going on in the museum over the uh, over the winter, I gather. Yeah, yeah. We started in back in November, following Anthony's call on air. And I contacted David, the, the curator, and uh, yes, we, we started to uh, sort the, uh, the office out. And you've had a new website done as well, I gather. Yes, so that's a culmination of, of all the work. We've taken the uh, new assets, the old asset disk, which was uh, from 2011, plus 750 photographs, combined them all, 
uh, link them all together. And then I've worked with Joe Tipler, who's the uh, WordPress guru for us, to produce the website. Good stuff. Uh, what's the what's the address of the site so the guys can pop on and have a quick look? All one word: SomersetCricketMuseum.co.uk. Excellent stuff. We'll pop on and uh, and have a look when uh, when we finished uh, doing all this. So, just in terms of the, of the museum, then um, what what sort of what kind of new exhibits have you got in over over the winter? Because um, I do know I pop in, and there's not been much popping new for for a little while. So what? No. Patrick, who, who looks after the new exhibitions, has designed four which are um, currently live. One is um, Patrick Heroes, uh, going back over Somerset, Hero, uh, Somerset history, picking up all the Hattricks, including the uh, Hattrick of Catches by Marcus, which is Gothic, which is somewhat unique. Mm. Um, he's looked at contracts, both 1939 and 1940 contracts, and today, and done a comparison of the two, which is, again, quite interesting. I, I believe one of them in the 3941 was, you're not allowed to talk to the press or anybody. <laughs> um, you weren't around there, were you, Anthony? Is that a bit before your no, time? No, 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 not 1939. <laughs> no, not even, my, even my father wasn't around then. So. <laughs> he found, I, I don't, don't know where they came from, but he found a collection of Victorian small prints, sort of six by fours, um, destined for the skip. Uh, most of them had cricketing pictures on them, and he's put those together into a collection of um, cricket, cricketing memorabilia from the from Victorian art. Happy days! I do enjoy my little trips in the museum. I've only got one thing which is in the Somerset Museum in my own collection. That's a Brian Rose benefit tie from 1983. I thought, well, I've got the Brian Rose, but I need to get some Brian Rose memorabilia. So uh, I think that was a fiver on eBay. Which I've <laughs> so I've, I've picked that up, but uh, apart from that, I don't have I don't have anything else. Um, <clears throat> so when does the museum open, Mike? Is it just match days well, as normal, or is it open ma- other match times? Days is nor- match days is normal, but we've also decided to um, open in line with um, Stragglers Coffee Bar. So Stragglers is opening on Wednesdays now, and the museum is open from eleven until mid afternoon, depending on the number of visitors. Museum on the circuit. Yes, have a coffee and visit the museum is the slogan. Yeah. Absolutely. And free to enter but donation pot on the door from what I remember. Yes, yeah. And looking at looking at that, we had some visitors last week, unfortunately, didn't have any cash being a cashless society. So we're looking at perhaps <laughs> looking at perhaps a, a, a donate machine. Yeah. You, you can get those those um card readers now that just attach to the wall or a post where you can preload them right. maybe like a three pound or whatever donation so it could be yeah, a, could be a wise investment so um and i think if, if we can get some more volunteers it may be maybe be looking at it uh opening at different times as well is this a call to so arms is this a I'm call sorry? to arms <laughs> so they <laughs> yes. always look on the bright side of life listenership to uh yeah. put, it, put a bit back in and get involved with the museum if you do want to get yes. involved with the museum, what's the best way to, to go about that? Uh, talk to David, the curator. David Wood, that is. David Wood. He's on the phone and, well, you've got the website address, so. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so if you do want to get involved with the museum, just pop along and have a chat. We've or... also, it's very interesting, we've also had some very good feedback, in, including the curator of Lords, who was very complimentary about the website, which was quite pleasing, so... 
Happy days. So, it's been a good, some good work. Good stuff, yeah. man. So onwards and upwards for the for the Somerset Museum. Do pop in uh, when you're there of a match day. I would recommend not going in in the lunch and tea breaks because it's uh, it does get quite busy in there. So if you do find yourself in a in a bit of a lull a lull in play, uh, do do pop in and uh, and say hello. Um, but um, yeah, thanks for popping on, Mike. And that web address was somersetcricketmuseum.co.uk. That's right. Okay, That's pop right. along, pop along, have a look and at the And Mike, make sure you're not too busy so Seconds Watch continues. For those who don't know, Mike is Mike is the voice of Seconds Watch on the Somerset North blog and he does a sterling job for me. So yeah, I'm hoping he can still spare me some of his valuable time to do yeah, that. We'll, we'll still be looking at that. We'll still be looking Great at stuff. That. Thank you, Mike. Love Thank you for stuff. your invite to the inner sanctum of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been called a sanctum before, but uh, I guess if the cap fits... <laughs> Lovely job, Mike. I'm with there from the uh, the Somerset Cricket Museum. Do pop, uh, do pop in and say hello and have a quick uh, look at the Thank website you, if you can. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Mike. Mike. And we'll see you at the I, ground. Uh, yes, I'll see you at the ground for the Essex game if I get that. Okay then. Bye now. Cheers. Bye bye. Do love a little trip around the museum every now and again. Mm. Um, right. What else have we got on the agenda? Then you mentioned it briefly earlier, Steve. But we now. After years of social media outrage, we finally have a batting coach. And cue social media outrage that he's a white ball specialist. <laughs> and that it's not Marcus. <laughs> I really felt the cricket season started when I saw that. I thought, great, some of the cricket is back for things like yeah. that. Great. I, I'm really pleased. I, I, you know, as, as most people know, I'm quite a fan of the Big Bash and I've seen him in action over previous years. He built a very strong Melbourne Renegades side, but they were successful in all levels of cricket. And as I'm sure Dan will tell you, he's been really strong in the Women's Big Bash League as well for Melbourne. So, um, and in the Somerset family, I'm sure another voice at that end will be very welcome. Uh, and I'm sure from the, he will see things in our young batsmen that, you know, are going to benefit them because often we all know that in, in life a fresh pair of eyes is often really valuable so let's give him some time I, I also suspect that we will see some changes in the, the white ball performances and I'm very interested to see how he fits in in the Royal London one day cup whether he will be angling for a place at the other side of the divide or whether he might have a significant role to play in that squad and the coaching level as well, but it's got to be a positive. We we spent the whole of last season bemoaning, you know, who is who is coaching these batsmen, who's helping them iron out their technical flaws. Well, now we know Blackland's the man. Blackland Stevens. Yeah, it was a good point you made actually about getting a new um, a new member of the family, or a new a new voice, or a new set of eyes can often be just as valuable as um, mm. years of experience. I'm, I'm, you know, from what what we've heard about the guy we've got that but just having the same set of eyes on you week in week out month in month out year in year out just you can maybe go a little bit stale and just somebody new coming in with with fresh ideas it could just be the uh, the tonic that we've been looking for i'm also ian i'm also looking forward to well i'm not looking forward to, but i'm anticipating the grilling from our erstwhile bbc correspondent after there's been a batting collapse early in the season, they put him up. They put him up to be introduced to the Anthony Gibson Inquisition. That that will be box office all on its own, I think. Yeah, it's a funny thing. Yeah, I mean, all those collapses last season, 
and I never interviewed Jim Troughton once because he, he wasn't there. <laughs> he, he, was, he was coaching the second eleven. Yeah, and and you know he did a great job with the second eleven, and now he's off to Surrey. But I, you know, I don't think we made best use of Jim Troughton, and I hope we do make uh, good use of Lachlan Stevens. And I, I agree. You know, I, he he, need, he needs to to be a sort of stage higher up than Jim was last year in the sort of coaching coaching hierarchy. He should be you know equal with Steve Kirby mm-hmm. um, underneath uh, Jason Kerr. And be coaching the first eleven, not just the uh, development and, and and players and second, because there are technical flaws, as we all know. Um, and you know, it's great great that Tom Banton we know has been working so hard to to correct them himself with his t- defensive technique, which is great. But I'm sure he would benefit uh, from being coached by someone with that sort of experience that uh, Stevens has. Ditto George Bartlett. Absolutely. And Lewis Goldsworthy. Who's got all the promise in the world, but hasn't actually delivered much yet? You know, no first-class century from from Lewis Goldsworthy or indeed from Tom Panton. So you know, there's plenty plenty of scope for Lachlan Stevens to uh, to work his magic with our young batsmen. Absolutely, and I think they they have been working slightly differently with the batsmen as well. Um, I have said this before, but at the at the open day a few months back, they were they were saying that um, you know that the net structure for batsmen is different. It's a two-hour less intense net now to try and replicate the the conditions and the um, and the pace of the game that you would get in a championship match, rather than just going in and facing ball after ball, quick, quick, quick with a bowling machine. So let's hope, fingers crossed, that a combination of that and Lachlan Stevens's magic can. Uh, prevent the ever so familiar Somerset batting collapse and be rescued by six, seven, eight and nine, as has happened on more than one occasion in the last few years or so. Right, I'm slightly off Somerset now. A few pundits have mooted Tom Abel being made England captain. Now not in any, I want to, I want to say, not seriousness, but he he is a rank outsider to take the job. But it, a few fairly uh, well-respected pundits have put his name into the ring. Do you put a name in the ring or a name in the hat? You throw your you put uh, your name in the, in the hat. Ring. You put your name in the hat and then you throw your hat in the ring. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> then what do you he put needs the ring to, into? He needs to score runs. He needs to work. Get into the team on batting. Uh, and then, by all means, make him captain. But you can't bring him in as a as an unproven um, uh, middle order batsman uh, yeah. and and impose him as as captain. My own view is that they should bring back Joss to captain in in the short term. I don't think I don't think um, um, he suffered in in comparison with the guy from from Surrey who didn't cover himself no. glory in in the West Indies. And Joss is he's got a great cricket brain. He's very very popular. He's being lined up to be to be captain, uh, and I, I that that would be my choice for the next England captain. Might be a bit of a might be a bit of a stopgap, but you know if he starts scoring runs and keeps wicket neatly, then could be a long term option as well. I think the problem with Joss is he's never quite cracked Test match cricket, has he? No, he hasn't. But. If, He's, but then, I, I suppose, which of the batsmen have that have <laughs> debuted in the yeah. last in the last few years? 
Yeah, I think if you're going to captain a side, you need credibility amongst your peers, and to come into a side having never played a test match and be made captain, I don't, I don't think that's a that's a goal goal whatsoever. I think he needs to have a year or two in the side, scoring runs away from Somerset, diminishing our chances. He's he's very much he's very much maybe not as cerebral as as cerebral as really. But it's very much, you no. Know, Brearley played a couple of tests as an opening batsman, didn't do very much. And then when all the backer stuff happened, they made him captain. And my view on it is that if you picked somebody, so you went the opposite of the Australian model, which is you picked your best captain, I think he is probably one of the best captains available to England. But certainly in my top three. So, you know, from that point of view, I think he would contribute, you know, that that aspect of the game that probably nobody else can. The problem we've got very much is he'd probably have to bat at six initially, and you know he's going to be targeted, and it's going to be very difficult for him. So, I, w- I would love to see Tom Abel captain England and succeed as captain of England, but if he's going to do that, this year's too soon. He needs to make a lot of runs, probably go on a tour find his way into the setup and then be ready. And maybe the perfect scenario is to let Joss have it and build him up on a progressive way. But that would imply that the England set up a bit of logic and methodology <laughs> to it, which I don't see any see anywhere soon. So, Yeah, totally agree with that. Um, I mean, Stuart Braw was another name that was mooted about as being a, a sort of a, a stopgap mm-hmm. captain. But I think it's immaterial because... I don't think Joe Root will give it up and I don't think they've got the bollocks to sack him to be honest so I think we're stuck with well, mm. stuck with Joe Root for for as long as he wants it is that is that sort of what you think Dan it seems how it yeah, is to I mean, me the bigger issue is we need to just play better cricket really like the captaincy doesn't matter you make it much. sound so simple Dan kind of it's as simple <laughs> like, as that just yeah. play better cricket we can change the captain, but it won't, probably won't change much. You know, a good captain only adds, a, you know, a few percent to a team's performance, if that, you know. So the, the, the first thing we've got to sort out is just playing better cricket. And then Joe Root's captaincy actually won't matter so much because, you, know, you know, as I said, it's all, about, it's all about adding, you know, 1% here and there, a good captain. Joe Root won't, doesn't do that necessarily. But, you know, we, it, it, there's no, you know he, even if we had a better captain of this current side... If we're playing at the same level, it's not going to make much difference, really, is it? So we've got to bat, bat, bat better, really. That's the main thing. I mean, bowl, the bowling is decent, and it, especially at home, we're fine bowling-wise. But you know, we've got to sort out the batting lineup, haven't we? And Tommy will could be part of that. He's just got to score a bucket load of runs in the county championship. Because yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He, 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 you know, uh, we've had we've we've tried so many batters you know, in recent years, um, the England team and. A lot. Some of them have done pretty well in county cricket, and not done so well in Test cricket. So we we don't know if Tom Abel would do well, but I think we'd all like to think you know that he would. And he's he's got a fair bit of experience now. He's got a good technique. Um, you know, he scores pressure runs. So I think he'd do well. I hope he'd do well. But we go back to the age-old story, Dan, that Tom Abel batting at the Rose Bowl on Thursday morning is not the preparation for playing Test match cricket, and then. You know, we all go off on our down that if you don't play county championship cricket in the peak of the summer, mm. where are our, where's Tom Abel going to get that experience? Even if he has a stellar summer and scores buckets of runs, that isn't going to translate into I don't even know where England are next year, but South Africa or 
New Zealand or whatever, it's not necessarily going to translate into being able to score runs on test match quality pitches played in, you know, the peak months of a summer. That's the difficulty. And until, frankly, until we resolve that, I, I cannot see, you know, us improving. And it's interesting, Anthony will remember this. I remember very well the, the Lord's test match when Ian Botham lost the England captaincy. He made a pair in front of a deserted Lord's on the Tuesday afternoon, was told by, I think it was Alec Bedser, that he'd been demoted as England captain. And on the Wednesday arrived a packed full house for a Benson Hedges call to final at Taunton. You know, and he, in those days, that's what would happen. They would come straight back and play a Gillette or a Benson Hedges game and then play a couple of championship games before the next test match. So, you know, Tom Abel goes into the England side in that scenario. He has a bad test match. He's got a couple of championship games to get his form and confidence back. It doesn't happen now. The structure is just almost broken beyond mending now. And it, it, it's just not going to help an England side at all. I think this goes back to um, what we were talking about with... Um, the England batsman just not being good enough. If you look at somebody like Johnny Bairstow, loses place, or Zach, Zach Crawley was exactly the same, loses her England place, just kind of hang around the squad for a couple of months and you get your place back. Yep. There's no yep. going back to Championship Not through cricket. weight of runs. No. Not through weight of runs, just, oh, well, we'll give you another go because whoever we replace you with hasn't done very well. Yeah, and it's the same with Joss as well. Joss isn't going to play... If Joss does get back in the Test team as captain... It's not going to be because he scored thousands of runs for Lancashire. It's because he's just kind of gone down the list and then it'll be his time to come back up the list. And then if he gets dropped again, he'll just go down the list and then up again. Mm. Nobody seems to go mm. to the bottom of the list and then force their way back in by scoring championship runs. It's almost like we've got some something going on in the summer, which means we can't play championship cricket at the height mm. of the summer. I can't, can't understand it's what that is. on the tip of my tongue. It's on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> I saw that the the TV deal got renewed again for another ten years. That's not confirmed, today. I don't think, but it's close. And does that include ten years of the bloody hundred? Oh, yeah, according to Lizzie, Lizzie Ammon in the Times. Oh, yeah, it just when the solution <laughs> is there, it's it's staring you in the face. Ditch the hundred, promote the blast. Yeah, cricket being played. Well, we'll, in... see. we'll see. I suspect this review is going to come up with a rather different solution, which will involve slimming down the anti championship. Oh, it'll be giving Tom Harrison an ex extortionate pay rise uh, for delivering the bloody hundred. Oh. It wouldn't shock me if they sort of cut the blast to ten games per team and use that. You know. Then, then they, then there'd be a bit more space for more championship at the height of summer. But I mean, you know, taking off four blast games, how many more championship games in the summer would that give you? One or two, really? So mm. it's not going to make a huge difference because you know the, the, the problems with the schedule. And the financial as well, Dan. If you take uh, four blast games away from a county, that's oh, yeah. or two home games. Two, mm -hmm. you know, that's oh yeah, hundreds no, of thousands of pounds you're taking out of out of, a, of a county's coffers. So you can't do that yeah. because the counties will go skin. So, yeah, but they, yeah, so the counties have got to resist then. Maybe they, you do do it here no, so that the counties go skint, so that you slim the championship down. So yeah. you end up, you know, hate to say it, but the Leicestershires and Derbyshires and Northants of this world, who, who are going to, you know, we all know they're in the firing line, um, that could become a self-fulfilling prophecy, unfortunately. 
Well, it wouldn't surprise me if that's what they if that's the logic. Then it wouldn't surprise me if they did do that. Mm. Because it seems to be all these rumours going around from you know Kevin Peterson, idiot pundit, the biggest idiot pundit of the lot. I don't think it's any surprise that he's not on commentary anywhere and he's not got a pundit job anywhere because he's an idiot. But again, it's the point I go back to: if you want to expand cricket you should be looking to have a professional game with more than 18 counties because the game is so popular the demand for it is there so that that's your that's your brief mr harrison that's your brief ecb make the game more popular and expand it you know anybody in business will tell you you don't expand by cutting your business you don't expand by cutting cost and you certainly don't expand the game by cutting the amount of places that it is played professionally around the country for for kids to go and watch and get inspired. You know, the hundred is played in seven cities. The championship is played in seventeen. It's not mm. difficult. It's not difficult to no. work out that the yeah, yeah. Trophy being played. Professional cricket is going out to the Shires once a year. I was there. Anthony oh. was too. I didn't bump into him mm. back in nineteen ninety one when Essex played Devon down in uh, down in Exmouth. Exmouth, yeah, yeah. That's that is mm. by me. Graham Gooch, Derek Pringle, uh, Mark Ward, possibly there as well. Test players on your doorstep. That's what you need to go for. Was I'm Peter Roebuck captaining Devon that day? Uh, I think that was before Roebuck's time. I think oh, I tell you, what, it was highly. Ed- no, it was highly Edwards because I was in, in the, the late highly Edwards because I was in the same um, class as his son Mark. So. Um, yeah, Harley Edwards was captain in Devon that day. I think Roebuck started in 94, 94-95, I think. But yeah, Harley Edwards was captain that day. Um, yeah, so that, that's possibly the, the seventh or eighth time I've put that identikit rant out, and I'm hoping I don't have to do it too many more times. But uh, if the knee comes, I shall. Shall we pop on to questions from our listeners? Um, and let's have a quick scoot through the old Twitter notification to see where we are. A um, couple of points made about the structure of these pre-season games and their contrivances. Um, Andy Harry said that these were kind of building intensity. I didn't really see that. They seem to be all to be played at the same level of um, sort of middle middle practice with players going on and off, and you know, nine bowlers bowling and only sort of four of them batting, and then you know, pretty much. 15, 16, 17 players getting involved in each of these games. Um, I do think that, yeah, there needs to be an element of contrivance so we can get the most out of them. It would be, you know, it would be stupid if one side was 550 for two declared and they batted for two and a half of the three days and didn't bowl. Um, but I think, yeah, yeah, the actual question from John Hayes was, are you a fan of retired out and contrivances in pre-season games? Or like me, would you rather let the game take its course and does the former undermine the objective? It's it's much harder to have pre-season in cricket than it is in most other sports, isn't it? Because, you know, pre-season football, rugby, you can start an 11 or a 15 and then swap it in and out. If you don't have retirements, you can't do that. So actually, I'm having said that I didn't take a lot of interest or notice in the pre-season games. I'm not saying that they should change the format because I'm quite happy with them just having extended middle practice. Uh, and I think if you know if we were talking and we said, well, 
Abel and Banton had batted for a day against Gloucestershire or Warwickshire, what help was that to Lewis Goldsworthy and Tom Lamanby or whoever? I'd much rather everyone got time in the middle, battle ball. So I think it is a fact of life. And, it, you know, you, you, Andy Hurry's building intensity is exactly the right thing because we all know from, you know, you play cricket until you can have as many nets as you want. You, until you start playing games in the middle, you, you're not ready. And that's that's the whole purpose of this, as was the tr- the time in Abu Dhabi early in the month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, I agree with it. Uh, one from Chris Payne. Who do you who do you think will finish top three in the championship? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Lancashire, Hampshire, and Essex. I think. How do I boot down out of the not, meeting? Not necessarily that order, <laughs> but those three. What about us? What about us? Yeah, I, I, I. I, I <laughs> I don't want to be too optimistic of us because you know then then we'll fail. You know, I need to be pessimistic and then be pleasantly surprised. Lancashire definitely. <laughs> um, I've got a horrible feeling that Surrey might have a good season this season. Yeah, and I I will do my mantra, Ian, of if we are still in the shake-up at the right end of the season, come the start of September, and I know that backfired on me horribly last <laughs> September. You know, because I got everything I wished for and then everything I dreaded. But I think that's... uh, I would be very surprised if Lancashire don't win it. They'll have to have a bad season, in my view. I think they were very unlucky last year. Um, But they are quite mercurial, so they could be, you know, they could be the team playing catch-up in the latter half of the summer. I've got Essex, Surrey and Gloucestershire. I knew that was coming, Gloucestershire. <laughs> <laughs> I think they've got a they've got a good setup at, uh, at Bristol. I think they'll um, they'll take yeah, a bit I of th- I think Gloucester will be the dark horses. I won't be surprised if Gloucester made it onto the podium this year. May even win it. But I'm going, I'm going Somerset, Lancashire, and then I think Gloucester will sneak into it as well. Anthony, I've got yeah. some bad news. Andy Cleave, literally in the last few seconds, has just sent me a screen grab of a quote from Jason Kerr and learnings is spreading <laughs> Jason Kerr has now said we've taken a lot of learnings from last year and invested a lot of time over the winter and throughout pre-season ensuring we are in the best possible place come that first game at Hampshire there's a real air of confidence within the group at the moment and a final question uh, from Stuart Hodgkiss um, as I wait for the page to load um, so basically, how do we think Craig and Jack have got on? So Stuart mentions that they've had a bit of a rough ride from some England supporters in the media, um, so they want to get our assessments on them. I thought Jack bowled really well in the West Indies. Uh, he was back. He was back just about to his his best. You know, um, he was. He bowled with enormous control. What did he bowl? Sixty nine overs or something like that. Barbados for 118 runs on a pitch that wasn't giving him giving him much. I mean, he did a really good job for uh, for his captain. He's never going to bowl a side out except on on a, a pitch that's giving him some help. He's not that type of spin bowler. I thought Craig. Well, you know, he showed his limitations on overseas pitches. I think it would be fair to say. I mean, he's he's a force to be reckoned with on English pitches where the ball is 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 steaming around. You know, he doesn't quite have that extra 
10%, 5%, you know, a little bit of something special to get good batsmen out on flat pitches uh, uh, overseas. So I would, you know, I mean, that's not to say you won't play more test cricket for England because, you know, there isn't much else around in the seam bowling department. They're either injured or, or, or getting on a bit. But... Um, you know, he he plugged away and, and he he gave it a hundred percent as he as he always does. Uh, I was disappointed he didn't get any runs. That was that was the other thing. Um, but it's you know it must have been a fairly disheartening winter for him, not re- not getting a game in Australia and then having to bowl on the pitches in the West Indies that weren't offering anything very much. It's been a very tough winter, and I think he'll be glad to get back with the the dragon on his shirt. <laughs> yes, the dragon, Mister Hurry, not the wyvern. I said, Dan, can you just email Gordon Hollins about? You know, you get you get seem to get very good responses from from Gordon about these yeah. sorts of things. Yeah, just mention it's it's a yeah. it's a dragon and not a bloody wyvern. Thank okay. you. Um, yeah, anything to add on and Craig and Jack over the winter, guys? I can add it. I'd, I'd say I just say one thing. I don't think that Somerset cricketer for a long time has made me as proud to be as man of Somerset and Tauntonian as Jack Leach. And when he was batting. Uh, with Sarah Shaman Mood, I was like, if it just makes you so proud that he, you know, the, a man who gets so much, every last ounce out of his ability, no one would have blamed him if he'd walked out and had a waft and gone 4-4 four, four out. And he guts it out. And that just, you know, I'd love the guy to bits. Um, I was slightly worried because... Um, Kevin Sturmey and the Taunton Town media team had me going on Friday morning saying that Rob Dre had left the club and I was in an almighty panic with them now top of that division. And then they announced that Jack is going to manage the, one of the sides in a benefit game coming up. And I thought, Jack Leach is going to be managing Taunton Town now as well as doing everything else. Is that going to affect <laughs> his bowling? But I think I was taken in by a really good April Fool. So well done, everyone at Taunton Town for that. And uh, no, I just... I just think Jack Leach is is everything you want in a cricketer playing for your club. And that, you know, the fact he plays for my old club and he's a Tauntonian and he's our Jack Leach is, I just couldn't be more proud of the guy. So let's get him back and back where we he's loved and he knows that and his captain treats him properly and we'll all reap the benefits. Here, here. That's a great note to finish on then, uh, Steve. Alex Vaughan has just tweeted in a question about an off-stump guard, but I think we've run out of time on that one, so uh, pop that into us uh, next time, Alex. Um, just, just before you go, I, oh, yeah. I had a parcel today in the post. Oh! See, why, oh. Do, why don't I get free cider apart from the free cider I got from Trade Nation? Thatchers! <laughs> oh. it's, it's their new Thatchers. Martin, Martin, if you're listening, can I have some free cider as well, please? Yeah, Blood and, and Cheshire is very hard to get Thatchers, Martin. So <laughs> I am available if need to help you out. So we got the Thatchers Blood Orange Cider. Yes, it's not not the not style of cider that I normally drink, but it's very kind of them, and I shall look forward to uh, to enjoy. We look forward to the review yeah. next week, Anthony. Have it's you not? Have you not had any yet, Anthony? No, I have only two bottles, and I'm saving them for. I'm gonna, only, I'll take one down. Only take two one bottles. This is Anthony Gibson Thatcher's. Come on, it should be at least three. No, I've um, I've, I've still got, I've still got loads of the of my Trade Nation cider to drink. It's just sitting there. It just sits there during my work day. 
behind the behind the briar rose bar tempting me, but I'm uh, yeah, I'm not quite at the stage of uh, of uh, drinking on the job yet. Um, right, Anthony, uh, you and Kevin James down at the Aegeus on Thursday then? Yep, certainly am. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Absolutely, looking forward to uh, watching that on the live stream and uh, catching up um, next week in the S- uh, for the Essex game. I'm going to miss the first few days of that. I'm away next week, so we'll be. I'll be doing this from Tenerife in the sunshine. Hopefully, I can get Not some Wi-Fi. We we can get together next uh, next Monday. But Anthony, have a safe trip down to Southampton. Thanks, uh, Ian. Unless we've got any other business. Uh, yeah, a dinner to eat. I'm afraid. All right, fair enough. We'll let Steve get off to his dinner. We're a minute past Steve's deadline, so Debbie will be getting cross with him as we speak. So. Um, shall we launch into a 45 minute discussion about the off stump guard or shall we knock it on the air for this week I, I might leave you at this point then alright <laughs> catch you all next Monday guys and best of luck to Tom and the boys down at the Aegeus yeah. on Thursday come on the dragon <laughs> <Cheers>. <laughs>